Okay, sisters, today we're going to do something a little different. I'm actually going to upload an entire teaching that I just did on Romans chapter 16. So we'll be going line by line. Feel free to grab your Bible and go along with me. Or while you're doing something else, you can just listen. Either way, I pray that it blesses you today. God bless. Welcome to God's Word, Transforming Lives podcast. I am your host, Amy Diane Ross, wife, mother, Bible teacher, who's passionate to disciple women through life using the Word of God. On this podcast, we will use the Bible to discuss topics that we all face from emotional and mental struggles, married life, single life, physical health, and everything in between. If you are ready to live in victory in every area of your life while learning the Word of God, I'm here to help. The Bible really does have all the answers for life's crazy roller coaster ride, and I'm excited that you have chose me to ride along with you. Okay, hello, here we are. I cannot believe it. We are finally in the last chapter of Romans. We started teaching Romans. Um, it was January, I think it was February. It was the first week of February of 2021. So here we are in April of 23. So just over two years um, it has taken us to get through this letter. Uh, Could have got through it a lot quicker had I not taken a large break in between, but praise God, here we are. And we are in the last chapter. This chapter is known as being the chapter that's often very overlooked because um, it's basically a, a, a greeting, um, has a lot of names in it. And so people just kind of like quickly read over it, brush through it, don't think it has any significance or has a lot of significance, but it really does have a lot of significance. It's uh, it's it's literally like the who's who and the the trophies of the saints, you know, of people that Paul worked with and knew and labored among. We can learn so much from Romans chapter 16. And so I'm super excited to get into it with you. Um, so we're just going to get started. It says, uh, we're going to start with verse one. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Centuria that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and myself also. So here's this woman. We don't know a whole lot about her, but we obviously, you know, here, Paul is literally saying, I'm going to commend this letter. This letter that you guys are about to receive from me is actually being brought to you by this woman. What a significance that alone is. This precious letter written, God breathed, breathed through the Holy Spirit, written through Paul, that we are here reading almost 2,000 years later, was entrusted in this woman to get this letter to the Roman church. She would have likely been accompanied by other people. She did not travel alone. But the fact that he mentions her as being the courier, I just think that is so beautiful. It just goes to show you that Christ's coming really did free women. That women, um, we are very valuable in the church of God. We are literally the backbone of any ministry. Um, yes, our, our men are the head. They are the elders of the faith. They are the overseers. They are the, um, they're overseeing the church. They're overseeing the doctrines and theology and, and the apostles teachings, and they're overseeing our souls and praise God for them, but equally praise God for the women who organize and put together and, and help um, get everyone to show up into and different tasks. And, and, and we are too have so many unique and, and powerful, beautiful roles within the church. And when the men are loving as Christ loved the women, if he is loving women and honoring women, if they are 
overseeing souls. They're not lording over our congregation, but just truly leading by love and example, you know, and just protecting the apostles' teachings and keeping things um, in order. And then as women, if we are serving and giving and, and laying our lives down for the gospel of Jesus Christ and and, and submitting to uh, these beautiful men, these elders of our faith, submitting to one another as well, and we are surrendered to the work of the gospel, these two roles work together perfectly, and they build a healthy, beautiful, organic church body together and become a great example to a lost and dying world. The same can be said inside of a household. When the husband is loving his wife, as Christ loves the church, he's washing her in the word of God. He's he's laying his selfish desires at the feet of the cross to, to pour into her, to build up her giftings, to build up her, her and what she needs and, and really thinking of her needs above his own, you know, and then she, she is going to turn and respect him and honor him and love him and cherish him. She's going to want to tend to his needs and take care of him. You know, the children are going to see this beautiful, godly marriage of, of this beautiful submission to one another and this love for one another. They're seeing this beautiful representation of the covenant between Christ and his bride. We are, when the man is providing and the woman's, you know, staying at home and really tending to the home and, and taking care of these things. And, and just the way that it works so beautifully when we're both walking in our God-given roles. It, it it works. It just works. And um guarantee the divorce rate would be a lot lower if we, you know, were obedient to the Lord and how he designed things. And we would just submit our wills to his will, to his to the word of God. And just really the man men would lead and love the way that they're called to, and we would submit and respect and honor and and cherish the way that we're called to. It it's it's just truly beautiful. So here's Phoebe, likely as we think she probably was a single woman, but he calls her a servant. He calls her um, that she is this great servant of the church. She was likely um, helping with the poor. She was likely attending to widows. She was likely helping neighbors who were sick and in need. Um, she saw a need and she was, she was right there. She was a great servant. That word servant um, is, is a, uh, in the Greek, it is deaconess. It is the deaconess or or, or deaconess. And so, or it can be translated minister as well. Minister meaning servant. Men and women are both ministers of the gospel. We are all ministers. Um, not in the elder pastor sense. We've taken that on as a title now in many places, but it literally means a servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so she was likely a deaconess or a servant, um, not necessarily, you know, an, a role or a title, like what we see, um, you know, where we have like elders and deacons, um, though some churches, even reformed churches do believe that women can be deaconesses and they're tending to the needs of the church or tending to the needs of the sick and the poor and the widows and especially other women's needs. And, so there is, uh, you know, there there can be a little bit of a debate on that, and that's okay. Either way, we know she was a servant. She was a servant of the Lord. She could be trusted with this letter. She clearly tended to a lot of souls. This woman served, and she was being honored for that. So as women, ladies, we need to step it up a bit, right? Um, know that we do have calls and roles in the church to serve and to give and to lay our lives down for one another. And so we're going to go on here to verse three, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Man, Priscilla and Aquila. What a godly example of what it could be to have a godly marriage where both people are sold out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love Priscilla and Aquila. They're this married couple. They would have lived in Rome. And then in, I think it's about 49 AD, you know, the uh, emperor said, get it rid of all the Jews. We don't, they're causing too much trouble. Get them out of here. And so they kicked out the Jews. And so they would have left. When they move, they end up moving to, they just happen to move to Corinth, talk about God's 
perfect plans and timing. We've talked about this before, where it doesn't always look the way we think it's going to look, right? So I'm sure that Priscilla and Aquila are perfectly happy in Rome, loving living in Rome, living the life. And then all of a sudden they got to leave because they're Jewish. And they were probably like, oh man, I don't want to leave my hometown. I don't want to do this. Well, they end up in Corinth. Well, Aquila and Priscilla just happen to be tent makers. So here comes Paul on his second journey to Corinth. And he happens to run into Quilla or Priscilla or both. We don't know. And he preaches the gospel to them. He preaches the gospel. Likely was a bit, a bit of the synagogue because Paul always went inside the synagogue and preached Jesus to the Jews first. Um, he would, In every town he would go in, he would find a synagogue and preach the gospel to his fellow kinsmen. And here they received the gospel. And they believed that Jesus was the Messiah always prophesied about. And they became very good friends of Paul. And they literally was with him and they journeyed with him. And at some point we know that they um, literally risked their lives for him. So we don't know if it was a time when Paul was being, you know, was going to be arrested or something happened, but they literally put their necks on the line for Paul. You know, that's just such a beautiful honoring of, you know, the people that are out there laboring, preaching the gospels, people are leading you to Christ. They're, you know, they're, they're discipling you. He would have discipled Aquila and Priscilla and taught them the truths of the gospel, not just, Hey, get saved. Okay. Praise God. I, I passed you out of track. Hope you do good in life, you know, but they, Paul didn't just preach the gospel. He discipled people. He took them through the word of God. He lived life with these people just as Jesus did. Jesus didn't just preach and then walk away. And then you didn't see him for, you know, all week long. And then you saw him again for a couple hours on a Sunday. No, he did life with his disciples. He taught them by example through the teaching and preaching, but also by example. Well, Paul did the same thing because it was about community life. And we're going to see that. And so he's doing community life with Priscilla and Aquila. He's teaching them the word, teaching them how to live as Christians. And they were sold out. They were all in together. And so, um, and we know this, we, we know, I love the part here where, you know, Priscilla is often named first. The woman is named first, which was unheard of in that, in, in those ancient writings. It was always man first, male dominated, um, patriarchal, which is fine. I'm all about that. Like, I love the whole Mr. and Mrs. Stephen Ross. Like, I, we've kind of lost that in this culture, but back in my day, you know, you would Mr. and Mrs., the man's name, and then the last name. So I, I'm a traditionalist that way. I love it. I My things are made up like that. My um, return thingies that I use to pay my bills. I still have it made up. Mr. and Mrs. Stephen Ross. I love it. I, I love my God-given role as a woman. And I, I honor my husband's God-given role as a man. And so... Um, but here you see Priscilla, four out of the six times that they are named in the scriptures, her name is first. So this tells us that she was very honored among the people, that she was an intelligent, articulate leader in the church of God. She got discipled and she immediately went to work and she was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. She was not an elder. She was not a pastor, but she was a teacher. She was a mentor. She was a, uh, a spiritual leader in among the church. We know this because Apollos comes along, comes in. He knows the Old Testament scriptures. He's preaching the um, repentance. He's pe preaching John's repentance, the prophet John, John the Baptist, but he does not know or understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. He does not realize the death, burial, and resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit and that, that you need to be born again, that it's not just repentance. Guys, it is repentance, but it is not just repentance. It is repentance plus faith in Christ Jesus and the work that he has done on the cross. It is repentance plus faith in the bodily, physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is repentance Plus, faith to receive the power of the Holy Spirit to become sealed, redeemed, regenerated, born again, new creation in Christ. And so here comes Apollos, who was preaching. He knew the scriptures. He was a very eloquent speaker. He was bold, but he was not preaching the full gospel. And so Priscilla and Aquila had to take him aside 
And Priscilla had to say, hey, listen, we need to tell you, you're not preaching the full gospel here, brother. You've got some things, you know, it's an incomplete gospel. And for people to become born again, they need the complete gospel. Saints, we can't just preach love. We can't just preach Jesus wants you to have your best life and love and blessings and goodness and gracious. We have to preach the whole counsel. We are sinners. We have sinned against the holy God. His wrath abides on our heads. We are all, his bow is pointed against us all. We are sinners from the beginning because of what Adam did. And we are going to stand before a holy judge. I just put a podcast out about this, about why Good Friday is so good. And I preach the whole gospel. I preach the full counsel. Sinners have to know why they need saved. If you just tell somebody they just need saved and you want to go to heaven, raise your hand, say this prayer after me. If you just want to live a better life, well, most people are going to say, yeah, I'll take all sign on to that. We're telling people about a man named Jesus, but we're not telling about the fullness of Jesus. We're not helping them understand why they need a savior. And then we're having them repeat a prayer after us and then declaring them saved. They don't even know what they're saved into. They have no idea why they even needed saved. They just know that they do some bad things. Mm. Yeah, I cuss sometimes. Yeah, I'll say this prayer. And so Priscilla and Aquila take Apollos aside and they say, listen, you're not preaching the full counsel of God. Let me give you, let, we, we need to give you the full counsel. And so because of Paul discipling them and teaching them the whole counsel of God, as he talks about Ephesians 20, I left nothing on, I left no stone unturned. I preached you guys the whole counsel of God. There'll be no blood on my hands. This is what Paul did when he went into these cities. He preached the gospel, but then he discipled them through the scriptures. This is the part that's missing in the church today. The discipleship part, the doing life together part, the living by example among one another part. And so uh, they corrected Apollos and he went on to be a wonderful, wonderful um, uh, man of God in our faith. And so he received what they had to say. And once he learned it, he took that eloquent speech and that same boldness. But now he had the power of the Holy Spirit because he became born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. When The minute you become born again, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Anyone who teaches you contrary to that is a false teacher. They are teaching you a different gospel. I don't care how nice they are. I don't care how long they've been doing it. I don't care how many missionary trips they've had. I don't care whatever, blah, 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 blah. If they are preaching any gospel contrary to the gospel that Paul preached, they are cursed. Like it or not, people, we've got to look past people's personalities. We got to look past people's good looks. We got to look past people's eloquent speaking, look past their celebrityism, look past their success. Look past all of these things and start looking at who do you say Jesus is? Who, what do you say the gospel is? This is vital today, guys, with the deception that is out there. We have more false teachers now than we do true teachers. I firmly believe that. Because of the rise of social media, the rise of, of the television programs, the rise of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, and, and all that it's encompassed, we are up against it. And so we have to get equipped, saints. We have to know what people are saying and believing, and, and we have to believe them when they say it. And we've got to stop making excuses. You know, Priscilla and Aquila, they saw Apollos. He was an eloquent speaker. He knew the Old Testament scriptures. He really understood John's baptism of repentance he understood that aspect of the gospel he preached jesus but it was an incomplete jesus it was an incomplete gospel and they had the boldness to go to him in love and pull him aside and say listen we need to tell you you're preaching an incomplete jesus therefore it's a powerless gospel you guys it's a powerless gospel and so praise god so they end up leaving corinth and then they end up going um, everywhere they went. They had a house church. I love this. They had a house church everywhere they went. Likewise, grease the church that is in their house. Verse five, greet my, and we'll go on to the next one, but greet their. So when they were in Corinth, they had a house church. They went back to Ephesus. They immediately started a house church. Priscilla and Aquila were all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They knew and understood what it meant as a couple to lay their lives down for the gospel of Jesus 
Christ and it could cost them their life. Quilla knew that he could watch his wife die for the gospel. Priscilla understood she could watch her husband die for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But they were both willing to lay down their selfish desires, their, their old life, which they would have lived in. They lived in Rome, very pagan, very culturally pagan, right? Very entertainment, a lot of fun, a lot of fulfillment of the flesh. But they became born again. And when they became born again, they were both sold out to the ministry work of Jesus Christ. And they honored Paul. And they honored what Paul taught them. And they went on to be this dynamic couple. This is what you want for your marriage. If you're single, you want to marry an Aquila or become a Priscilla for an Aquila. Don't settle. Don't settle because it will affect how, how, how far you can go in ministry work for Jesus Christ. And if you're married, please hear me. It, there is no greater marriage covenant work than both of you being on the same page for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are both professing Christ, have a meeting and say, we listen, I want to be like Aquila and Priscilla. I want to sell out for, for Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. What can we do to, to, to develop our lives completely around the gospel of Jesus Christ? What can we be a part of? Open up your homes and just start hosting Bible studies. Just let, just read the word and, and, and discuss it and talk about it. Have dinners with one another. Have prayer nights. Bring people and say, we're just going to pray. You know, plan some outreaches. That's what Steve and I did. We just started planning outreaches. We opened up our home and had Bible studies. We had prayer nights. It was not, it was very simple. It was never meant to be complex. It became complex because people couldn't catch the vision. But Steve and I still have that vision. Our vision is on Christ and the work to be done for Jesus Christ. We understand the assignment together. And so no matter what, we're not going to quit and we're just going to keep going. It's just so beautiful. All right, let's move on. Thank you for listening to all that. Pray it bless you. I know it blesses me to think of saints, the cloud of witnesses that are watching us, you guys. These are the cloud of witnesses. You know, Phoebe and Priscilla and Quilla and all these saints, they're the cloud of witnesses that are watching. What are you doing with the gospel of Jesus Christ? It is Good Friday weekend. It happens to be Good Friday weekend when we're, when we're talking about this. What are you doing with the gospel of Jesus Christ that has been entrusted to you? What are you and your husband doing? What are you and your wife doing if you happen to be a man that's watching this? What are you guys doing? Single people, what are you doing for the gospel of Jesus Christ? What an exciting time. We have witnesses that are watching. Here's these people who once were pagan, living in Gentile pagan world, and they came out from among it. They have the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are they doing? What the witnesses? What are they doing? Let's watch and see what they're doing. How beautiful. The glorious gospel. Okay. All right, let's move on. Uh, so in the middle of verse five here, greet my beloved Ephenitus, who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. And so he was the first convert in um, Achaia, which is like, I think the northern part of Greece. It's a part of Greece. I think it's the northern part. But I love this because here is Eponidas. He was the very first convert. So he's the first person to receive Christ when the gospel had not been preached there yet. And we think Paul went there, preached the gospel, and he was the first one to say, oh, I want that. I repent. I put my faith in this Jesus that you're telling us about. And they would have had like no concept of any of that. This was pagan Gentiles, right? So today though, today, almost 2000 years later, 90% of Greece is Orthodox Christianity. 90%. Because of the first starting of Ephenitis, Paul going in, preaching the gospel, 90% of that region or that country, Greece, the whole of Greece now, not just the northern, now believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And they profess it. There's always going to be tears on the week. That's huge, you guys. So we just need to go after the one. We just need to go after the one. Just preach the gospel to the one. 
you don't know what's going to, what kind of fire that's going to, that's going to spark. But the thing is, we've got to leave the pews, church. We've got to stop believing that, oh, we're going to catch them online by going live with our sermons. We're going to catch them by, you know, we're just going to draw them in with our Easter egg hunts. So we're going to draw them in by having Santa at Christmas. First of all, you're bringing pagan worldly things into the church and then asking the world to come in and then expect them to become born again. We're not even preaching the gospel when they do show up. Let's just be honest, right? We're just giving them a feel-good message that they really like. No, church is kind of nice. We should maybe start coming back. Hot Mess Express. Get out of the pews. And start reaching the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then start discipling them. Start discipling them. Okay. I love those are my soapboxes, and I'm, uh, they're not going to go away. Verse six Greet Mary, who labored much among us. Um, we think this Mary, particularly this Mary, was actually somebody who got saved from Aquila and Priscilla or got saved right around the same time. Either Paul preached the gospel to all of them or Aquila and Priscilla would have preached the gospel to her and she got saved. She immediately started serving. Like she became born again. Now she's hanging out with Aquila and Priscilla. She's a part of that kind of that, that party. She's probably in their house church. Very likely she's in their house church. And she's out evangelizing. She's out serving. She's looking for ways to serve the Lord. You're going to see a theme as we continue down here. She was obviously likely serving the poor, the widows, you know, other needs of the church. She was sold out for Jesus Christ. All right. So now we're going to greet Dronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners who are of the, who are of note among the apostles also were in Christ before me. Now we're going to talk about this for a minute because we're going to do some apologetics. All right. First, we'll start with um, Andronicus. He was a Jewish believer. Um, it, he may have actually been a family member of Paul. We're not sure. We think he may have been a relative. Um, he was respected as an older, um, an older man, an older believer of the faith. Uh, he was in prison with Paul at some point. We we deduce that. And we just know that he was well-respected among the apostles for someone who became born again, learned the word of God, started preaching the word of God, was willing to die for the word of God. He ended up in prison. He was an older, we think he was an older man and that he was um, out there just working hard for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He gave up everything and just started working for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Junia. Now here's where we're going to have to have some discussions. Junia, uh, she would have been Jew. Um, she would have been Jew as well, she or he. Here's the problem. Junia can be masculine or feminine. We honestly don't know. Okay. So we don't know because it depends on the accent. Most of our earliest transcript or that we found that have the, the, the accent on it. It's likely that she is a female. We don't know though. But why does it matter? Because the Allegarians, these are the modern day liberal theologians who want to uh, put women in leadership positions, uh, such as elders and pastors. And they use this verse or this particular person to say that Junius was an apostle. So we have to break this down a little bit. And it's really important, you guys, in, in the culture that we're living in, the role we're living in, with, this, with the scriptures being twisted the way they are, that we we know our stuff because it's very deceptive. So a couple things, a couple things. Because it says who are note among the apostles, they try to say that Andronicus and Junia were apostles. I don't believe that's what that's saying here. Like at all. Like I, I don't even know why they believe that. The ESV says it like this. They're well known to the apostles, which makes way more sense to me that these two people were well known to the apostles. I actually think they were probably a married couple like Aquila and Priscilla. That Andronicus and Junia were this wonderful married couple. They became born again and they, they were Jewish, became born again. And here they are. In Rome, or in yeah, in Rome, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're working, they're serving, they're they're doing these amazing things for the gospel. They sold their life out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, 
they're well known. We think Junia was a very early convert that she got, she got, they think maybe she even got born again at Pentecost when P Peter preached and all the thousands of people got saved. We think that maybe she was even among them that, that particular time. And so she was a very early convert. She'd been walking, you know, with the Lord for a while. And they were just well known among the apostles. To me, when you read it, it makes sense. Like, uh, Greek, uh, you know, Andrew, Andrew, Andrea, and Junia, my countrymen, you know, Jewish people, um, my fellow prisoners, they were, they were imprisoned, who are, who are no among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. So these are very early converts, right? In the ESV, the way the ESV says it, I like it. Well known to the apostles. To me, it's like obvious what it says, but to the Algarians, they have convinced an entire movement of people that Junius is a woman who was an apostle. So, all right, so let's go for argument's sake that that's kind of what it says, and it seems to be what it says, because there's a lot of people that think that. When we have verses like this that tend to contradict the word of God in other places, we have to get to biblical hermeneutics, the, the art and science of interpretation. We have to use verses that are very clear to interpret the verses that might not be so clear. Because A, the Bible does not contradict itself. It is perfect. It is infallible. It is God-breathed. God is not a liar. God is not, um, he is not a contradiction. He's not, nothing in his word contradicts itself. And so when there appears to be a contradiction, which this would be a contradiction to what? First Timothy chapter three and Titus and Corinthians and these other verses and these other parts of the Bible where it clearly spells out that elders of the faith. What is an apostle? Clearly an elder of the faith. They are a man of one wife or they are of uh, they are male. They are male. And so. No matter what, even if that seems to be, we it would be a contradiction to the rest of scripture. Okay. I do not believe based on the evidence that we have, because Junia is not mentioned at all in by any of the early church fathers. The earliest we see her even mentioned again um is like late 300s, early 400s. I think it was by Christ Christum. He had written some stuff on her. And even he was like, not really sure if it was a male or a female. Okay. So church history isn't even really helpful in this area on was she a male or a female? So we don't know. And that's okay that we don't know, because I don't believe that it's teaching that she was an apostle, no matter what she or he was an apostle. I believe that they were just well known among the apostles. So this is just really important because I see this a lot. It's one of the favorite things for the, um, the, uh, people who now believe also that women can be apostles, okay, because there's a whole movement of apostles and prophets out there now as well. And so they use that as that verse or that person to say, well, this is why women can be apostles. So I hope that helped you. Feel free to study that further if you'd like. Um, and if you come to a different conclusion, show me your evidence. Give me your give me your evidence and we'll we can talk about it. Um, but I don't believe there is any. So I think you have to really twist the word of God, which is what Satan is very good at in order to come up with some of these false teachings. All right. All right, let's move on. Verse eight, greet Phyllis, my beloved in the Lord. So Phyllis, um, I just love that my beloved in the Lord. So he's just, he's going to start talking about these different saints that he wants them to greet in Rome, you know, give him a hug for me, tell him, hi, I love him, greet him. He's my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachus, my beloved fellow worker. Notice that term again, worker. See, we all, we, we get, listen, it's faith alone in Christ alone, not by works, lest any man should boast. That That's the beginning of our salvation. That's the beginning of our faith right there. Salvation is faith alone in Christ alone, not by any works. Anyone who adds any works to salvation is preaching a different gospel. Period. Faith alone in Christ alone. But the evidence, 
what are we seeing here? What is the evidence? Just like as he's naming off all these brothers and sisters, what is the evidence that you've been truly born again? You become sold out for Jesus Christ. You become a worker and a laborer for Jesus Christ. What is What are they doing here? They're all working. They're all serving. They're all giving up their time, their talent, and their treasure for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're risking their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're opening up their homes and having house churches and fellowships and and, and, and breaking bread together and they're communing together on Sundays and, and, they're, and they're about building Christ's church. They're helping Paul build the church of God. They're serving one another. They're building each other up in the faith. They're submitted to Christ and his gospel, which then submits them to one another. They're a surrendered body working out their faith in action. Our faith is a faith of action. You are going to produce action fruit, fruit of faithfulness, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, love. You know, these, these attributes are going to flow out of you. We are created for good works. We are saved for good works. We're not saved to go and build our own kingdom. We're not saved to go and just live our best life now or live any way we want to live. We talked about this last week. We're saved to live for him and to be in community with brothers and sisters in Christ with one mouth. What does that in Romans 15? One mouth, one spirit, one accord, one, one message, the gospel, one mind, the gospel, one spirit, the Holy Spirit, one unified together working for the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the beloved saints. They're worthy of God's love, it says. I built that word, the love says, worthy of love. They're esteemed. They're, they're highly regarded. They're his dear brothers. They're worthy of the love. Uh, they're worthy of my love. They're worthy of God's love. Not that we were, we were worthy before we got saved. We're worthy because of Christ. We become worthy in Christ. All right. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. Okay, verse 10. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household household of Stobulus. So Apelles is approved in Christ. We want to hear these things, don't you? That you are the beloved of Christ. You are approved by Christ. You are a worker of Christ. We want to say that to you today. Are you? Are you? If you are truly born again, you are a beloved approved, chosen of Christ. You are a servant, a minister, a deacon, or a deaconess in the aspect of a servant. And we're to be taking care of the poor and the widows among us. Not just the poor on the street. We take care of our own, our own body of Christ first. Then we go out into the streets and out to the world and help the world in the name of Christ. So Articubulus, um, it could be that he was... Um, either a Christian man and it was his household, but he had died because he doesn't say to greet him personally. It also could be that Articulus actually isn't saved at all. He's not a Christian, but there's people in his household. His household is saved. And so Paul's saying, hey, greet them. Greet, greet, greet the household of, of Articulus. All right. So next, greet uh, Herodian, my countryman. So he's a Jew. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. And so again, there's people in the household of narcissists that are in the Lord. These are Jew uh, Herodian is a Jewish believer. Now we're going to hit some women again. Ooh, look at this beautiful, all these beautiful women. Greet uh, Tryphena and Tryphosa. We think they were probably sisters who have labored in the Lord. Paul is commending them. Their names are written for all of eternity in the, in the word of God, right? All of eternity in the word of God. And what does he say about them? These are laborers in the Lord. These women are serving the church of God. They are serving other women. They are serving the body of Christ. They are serving the lost. They are out there doing the work of God with me or with others or for the church. Right? And it says, greet Persis who labored much in the Lord. Another laborer. What are they known for? 
They're not known for, oh, they just go to church on Sunday for two hours. They pay their tithe. They're good. These women are known, not just that they profess Christ, not that they're just Christian by name only. You know, he could have just said, well, they profess Christ. Yeah, they profess Christ. Yeah, they profess Christ. Like all these could have just said, they profess Christ. They profess Christ. Every one of these have in common, they are laborers for Christ. They are laying down their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And back then, guys, and in all other parts of the world, these people that are laboring for Christ, our brothers and sisters are laboring for Christ, it could cost them their life. This was dangerous stuff. We are so complacent and lukewarm. We have lost our we have we have lost our first love. We have been, we're like the church of Laodicea. We are sold out to the gold and the silver and the homes and the cars and the, and the fancy jobs and, and the vacations and, and, and the, all the stuff. But are we known for our labor in the Lord? Could Paul write your name in here and say, greet Amy, greet Amy and Stephen Ross or, or Stephen and Amy Ross. For they are known for their labor in the Lord. Could they say that about you? Could your name be inserted here? And this is not a works religion. Listen, I'm not sitting there saying, oh, well, you have to do so many works. And you have to do get a checklist together. No, this was from their hearts. They had a supernatural encounter with Jesus Christ who forgave them of all of their sins. They became born again in new creations in Christ. And therefore, they wanted to labor. They, they wanted to tell other people about Christ. They wanted to disciple other people in the word. They wanted to help the poor and the needy. They wanted to help the widows and the orphans that were a part of the church. They wanted to go and help and be a part of. They wanted to live out Matthew 25, Great Commission. You know, we're, we're visiting the prisoners and feeding the poor and clothing the naked and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the nations. That's what we're called to. Could our names be put in there? And could Paul say they have labored much in the Lord? It is not just the pastor's job to labor in the Lord. It's not just the, the, the Bible study teacher or the, or, the, or the children's director in a church. It's not just like four people are the ones that are laboring in the Lord and the rest of us are just sitting there getting fat off the word. We're not even getting fat off the word anymore because the word's not even preached in nine, like 90% of our congregations in America. So we're just getting fat off of entertainment. We go to these places because they got a good band, because they make me feel good. I'm having an experience with God, but nothing's changing. What are you doing to labor in the Lord? And do you know his word? We're going to, because Paul's going to touch on that here in a second too. Okay. All right. Great Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Rufus, we believe, we're not 100% sure, but we think it's Rufus, the son of Simon, his father is the one that helped carry the cross with Jesus. Talked about Mark. We think that that's that was his dad, and then then and then his mom would be would have been the wife. And so, look, what does he say? Chosen in the Lord. So here we are. We are beloved in the Lord. We are chosen in the Lord. We are servants of the Lord. Look at these beautiful that we are brothers and sisters. Because remember, he called Phoebe a sister understood that we were a family and we're not just a family by name only guys it's not just like yeah that's my church family i see them once a week for about an hour or two might say hi to about five of them no we are a community a family we know one another we are together we're doing life together that's what it's supposed to be family family and notice here what paul says chosen the lord and his mother and mine. He saw Rufus's mom as his spiritual mom. Paul, Apostle Paul, who was taught by Jesus, had a spiritual mama. We all need spiritual moms and dads. What's a spiritual mom and dad? They're doing life with you. 
They know you. You're together. You're connected. You're around one another. You're together. They're the ones you call when you have a problem. They're the ones you, you, you when you have good news and bad news. And right, they're your mama, your dad, and the spiritual side. They're they're spiritually raising you up in the Word of God and in life. And you can men, and, and you can imitate them as they're imitating Christ. We all need spiritual moms and dads, and that is something that we don't have because we're not discipling anymore. We think discipleship, and we I did a podcast on this. We think discipleship is literally just showing up to church for two hours on a Sunday and to a Bible study. Discipleship is doing life together. It's communal. Yeah, that's part of it. The word of God is the number one thing in discipleship, discipling people through the word, but then living it out among them. That's what Jesus did. He didn't just preach the word. He lived it out among them. Paul didn't just preach the word. He lived it out among them. He, 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 he taught them the day in and the day out life. We talked about this last week. All right. Spiritual mamas. You need a spiritual mom and you need a spiritual dad in your life. Start praying for them to come into your life. And if you are older, you are that older Titus man, that older Titus woman, then you should be spiritually discipling younger people. We're called to. Titus commands it. Older men raise up the younger men in the way that older women raise up. But who is your spiritual dad? Is he actually raising you in the ways of the Lord? Like, is he leading you to church? Is he leading you? to the scripture is he leading you to love your wife as christ loves the church is he leading or is he leading you away from those things is your mama your spiritual mom is she leading you to church and how to be a godly woman and how to be a proverbs 31 woman how to love your husband as titus talks about and take care of the household and and and, and submit to your husband and, and do these things can she say imitate me as i imitate christ and none of us are perfect do not put your mom and dad your spiritual mama and daddies or your elders, or whoever, do not put them on a pedestal. Please, please do not put them on a pedestal because then the pedestal has to be knocked out from underneath them so that you, because God is a jealous God. And if he has to take down your spiritual mom and dad in order to take them off the pedestal, please don't do that because we are human and we are on the same, we are on the same sanctifying road as you are. We are not perfect human beings and we are going to make mistakes and do stupid stuff and, and mess up and sin and all those things. And because we're being sanctified too. We're just further along in our sanctification. That's it. Still being sanctified. So Christ, look to him first, always, about everything in the word. And take everything back to the word. They have some people that are you're doing life with that's speaking into you. And they're there for you. Greet uh, Asocrates, Plagon, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them, we think maybe this may have just been another house church that he was talking about. That this is like a group of people, they have a house church. We know that Aquila and Priscilla had a house church. We think this might be another house church that's going on. Um, greet Philagos and Julia, Neroas and her his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. So we think maybe it could be another house church. We think maybe three house churches are mentioned here. We don't know for sure, but... Um, it looks like there may be three different house churches, um, but all one body, all one body, because houses are only so big. I mean, you can only do, you can only have so many people in a house church, right? But there's still one universal body in the city. They, 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 it's the same gospel, one mind, one, that, you know, one house church. Love it. Anyways. All right. Verse 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. Mm, I love this. The churches of Christ greet you. Um, we've, our culture's kind of got away from the holy kiss, um, especially with the, we're so hyper-sexualized and we're so, we think everything is impure now. So for us to even like greet each other with a holy kiss, it's, it's like, it's, we're so over-sexualized that it's like, you can't just greet somebody with a kiss on the cheek now without somebody saying, oh, they're perverted, they're blah, blah, blah. Like, so greet somebody with a handshake. I prefer greet somebody with a hug if they so choose. In other words, be intimate. We're intimate with one another. We can love one another. You know, we can kiss each other on the cheeks. You know, we're known for that and be the church. We'll kiss each other on the cheeks or, you know, we embrace each other. We just really, there is that love there. There's that love and that unity there that when we see each other, there's just this love and unity. But, you know, be respectful of other people's boundaries. And, you know, a lot of people have a lot of trauma and a lot of hurt and maybe they just don't feel comfortable with, with embrace, you know, so we just, just, but just, 
here, understand the intimacy of being brothers and sisters. You really are family, guys. We're supposed to be family. And family can be dysfunctional, right? Personality quirks, personality differences. You know, we mess up. We do stupid things. We treat each other poorly. That's where love covers a multitude of sins that Peter talks about. But we're family. And I just urge you not to just be family in word, but be family in deed. You know, be at each other's homes, be at each other's birthday parties, be at each other's, you know, go on vacation together, do life together and not just clicks. Like, well, I like this group of people, so we're going to do it. No, like, you know, we're family. Everybody's, everybody's welcome. You know, we're all going bowling. We're all doing whatever, Um, you know, but within that, now we got to go to the next part of what Paul says. Now's the warning. Okay. Here's the warning though. Now I urge you, brethren, note, take note, mark out, write it down. This is important. Those who cause division and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learn and avoid them. Do we understand the importance of this? We, what causes division in the body of Christ? is false teachers with their false doctrines and their false theology. Not the ones that expose them, although they're, that's who's accused of causing division, right? The second you go up against a false teacher or a false church or a false musician that everyone follows and everyone loves, all of a sudden you're being accused of causing division. You're the religious spirit. You're the divisive one. No, 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 no. That's not what the word says. The word says... The one causing division is the one that's teaching contrary to the doctrines of which Paul taught, which is the word of God. Those who are teaching false doctrine, false theology, a false Jesus, a false gospel, I don't care again how well they speak it, how many followers they have, how good they look, how long they've been doing it, how many missionary churches, how many people supposedly got saved. That's not, that's not what we measure false. We measure by what are they teaching? And they always have truth within the lies, but those lies are still lies and deception that are leading people astray. And we're to note them. And we have nothing to do with them because they're causing division in the body of Christ. They're dividing God's body. They're dividing Christ's body. And they're deceiving people. They're dangerous in order to avoid them at all costs. What is what are some marks right here? For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the saying Corinthians? That they come as agents of righteousness, preaching Jesus, which he says, no wonder, even Satan comes as an angel of light. So these false prophets and these false apostles that are saying Jesus's name, Going out saying they're spreading Jesus, but they're spreading a false Jesus. As he says here, they don't serve Jesus. They may say his name. They may use some of the Christian needs and Christian terms and even throw some scriptures on top of it. But they don't serve Jesus because they're teaching false doctrine and false theology. But their own belly, their own belly, they're only feeding their own belly, whether it be pride, power money, sex, whatever the payoff is. Everybody has a different payoff. Some of these false prophets and apostles, they do it for the fame. Some of them do it for the power. Some of them do it for the money. Some of them do it because of the sex. Because women will throw themselves at powerful men or whatever they think is a godly man. And what's another thing they have in common? They have smooth words and they're flattering speech. And they deceive the hearts of the simple. What are all? What are the false teachers and false prophets today have in common? They no different than back then. They're eloquent speakers. They look good. They're marketable. They they have a great old presence, and they're deceiving the simple. What's that mean to be simple? People who don't know the word of God for themselves who aren't doing life with, aren't submitted to true godly elders of our faith and learning the word of God. 
don't have spiritual mamas and daddies. They're not being discipled. And they're just living it out their way. They're simple. They don't know the word. They're not studying things for themselves. They're believing every wind of doctrine. They're being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. They're being tossed to and fro by the doctrine of demons. They have them bewitched. And many of them are going to go to hell because it's the blind leading the blind. And Jude tells us to have compassion on our brothers and sisters that are caught up under these false teachers. And to try to help them get out, but not for ourselves to be defiled by their garments when we go in there. Because why? They are smooth talkers and they are, they are flattering. They're very flattering. And they will bring mass confusion upon you. I can't even step foot in those places anymore because my, I get so confused and I know the word. I know doctrine and theology. I know the truth. And yet I still get this confusion like, oh my gosh, my, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm there, but they're so nice. I don't know. You know, and I'm walking around in confusion. Mm -mm. No more. I'm out. Deuces. And you got to be out too because we have to avoid them, it says have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness. We have to start protecting the word of God, start protecting the apostles' teachings, start protecting the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and, and be a part of helping these souls that are deceived out from underneath these people. And if they don't want it, that's because they're a part of it. It's their judgment by God upon them and we need to leave, leave them alone and let them go. Let them go. And that hurts because you love people. There's people you love very dearly that you know are sitting under false teachings and false teachers and you got to let them go. They don't want the truth. They're under a strong delusion. Saved or not, I don't know. I can't judge hearts. If they are saved, they're not going to be there long because God's not going to allow his sheep to sit under that for too long. But if they aren't saved, well, it's between them and their God. Maybe they were a false, they're a false convert and a terror and, the, and they're a wolf or whatever and they just need to be there. I don't know. We need to be praying for them, though. I tell you that. Don't stop preaching the truth. Pray fervently. And when you do confront, confront in love. Always in love. We do, Not a self-righteous, prideful, I know more than you, you're just stupid. Well, don't do that. You know? And then don't insist on your own way. You give them the truth and you walk away. If God's got given them eyes to see and ears to hear, that truth will permeate them. If he, they're under a strong delusion truth's going to hit a brick wall and you're just casting your pearls to swine walk away and continue to pray 19 for your obedience has become known to all therefore i am glad on your behalf but i want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil again simple is used here it means be responsive be unresponsive to things concerning evil so he wants us to be wise when it comes to good things. Be wise, be discerning, know the word, walk in wisdom, walk in obedience. But when it comes to evil things, false doctrines, false, be unresponsive. Don't have anything to do with evil, evil works, evil, evil, doc, evil teachers, false teachers, be unresponsive. Not dealing with that, not going there. Nope, not putting up, no, mm -mm. unresponsive. You know, those thoughts, even thoughts of sin come in your mind. Yeah, nope, mm -mm. taking that thought captive. I'm going to be unresponsive to that. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. So he's talking to all the saints here. Stand strong, saints. Stand strong against the false teachings. Stand strong, strong against these guys, these, these people with flattering lips. Just, you know, stand strong against the persecution. Don't give up. Stay united. Continue to preach the gospel, continue to labor and do the work that all these saints are doing. You know, continue to, to have your house churches and whatever you got to do. Just stay faithful to the obedience of Jesus Christ because Satan is under the feet of Christ and he's going to crush him soon. In other words, he's going to come back and it's all going to be over. Okay. And we've been waiting for his arrival for every generation since. Praise God. But he's going to be crushed in the sense too that death, where is thy sting? When we go to glory, it's all over. Once and for all, we are free from the sin that still dwells in us, according to Romans 7. And that's going to happen soon. Who, guys, not about you, but man, life is going by really fast. 
really fast. How long ago was it that you were just in high school? And now you're getting ready to celebrate, say, your 30th birthday. How long ago did you just give birth to your children? And now they're graduating college or high school or having a baby of their own. It goes by so fast. Soon, Satan will be under your feet. Stay on course. Stay on track. Labor for the Lord while you're here. Do all you can do to build his kingdom and love the brethren. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucas, Jason, and Sepator, my countrymen, they greet you. They're with Paul. They're like, hey, tell the church in Rome we say hi. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. So he, um, so Paul was dictating this letter to uh, Tertius, and he was writing it as Paul was um, dictating it to him. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church, greets you. Euritus, the treasurer of the city, he greets you. And Chorus, a brother. And so these are just Paul's companions, people he's um, doing life with uh, at the time. And they're all just saying, man, we we love the church. We hear about the Church of Rome and let, let everybody know we said hi. So praise God for that. Grace to the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let it be so. Let it be so that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. And there's only one gospel, right? Paul's gospel wasn't different than Peter's gospel. His gospel was to the Gentiles. Peter's gospel was to the Jews. They were called to different regions, but they had one gospel and it was the same gospel. And it's the gospel even Paul said in Galatians 1, 8 through 9. If anyone comes preaching a different gospel to you than the one that I taught you, even if it's an angel or someone with flattery lips or skinny jeans or whatever, they are cursed, okay? So according to his gospel, he's making sure they understand that there are false gospels all around them already. In the early church here, guys, there was already men and women preaching false gospels, deceiving people. Satan immediately put his Trojan horses into the gospel of Jesus Christ, into the church of God. How much worse is it now, 2000, almost 2,000 years later? It's bad. It's really bad. But praise God, because he will, Satan will soon be under our feet, and we're not going to be simple-minded. We're learning the word of God. You're learning the word of God with me. Together, we're doing it line by line. This is why we're doing it line by line, so that you really learn the word of God. According to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. So the mystery of the Old Testament, the prophets prophesying uh, the Messiah is going to bring Jew and Gentile together. For How is that going to happen? It was a mystery. Well, it happened at the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ and his bodily and physical resurrection was the proof that the cross of Jesus Christ brought together the, the, the Jew and the Gentile one new man breaking down that veil that we are one in Christ. What a beautiful, beautiful message. And here we are doing it the week of um, weekend of Good Friday. But now made manifest by the prophet, prophetic scriptures. This prophetic scriptures, he's actually talking about the scriptures that are being written out right now. Like Paul understood that his his scriptures were prophetic, that his his scriptures were God breathed, that they were being breathed out. Peter understood that too, because Peter even said about Paul's letters that they were scripture. He called them scripture and said that sometimes they're hard to understand, but they're nonetheless scripture. They're God-breathed. They're alive and they're active. And it is for all of eternity. And so these are the prophetic scriptures that were being written out. Romans, Corinthians, these letters that he was writing out, these were prophetic. This was God's word being breathed out for, for us today. And that is alive and active and cutting through our bone and marrow, transforming us, restoring us, encouraging us, rebuking us, teaching us, counseling us, comforting us. This is our love letter from our Father in heaven. Love the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone, wise, the glory through Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So praise God. I love you guys so much. I pray that the book of Romans has blessed you as much as it hated me. I was absolutely terrified when I was asked to teach it. And uh, I thought, man, God, that's too big for me. And it is too big for me, but we did it anyway. And here we are. And so praise God. And if you have not been watching from the beginning, I highly recommend you go back to Romans chapter one. And if you have been watching from the beginning, I highly recommend you go back and watch chapter one because there's so much 
beauty that he taught us these past two years in Romans. And that I think we could all go through it again and just learn even new things. And as always, take everything I teach you to the word of God and continue to search the scriptures out for yourself. And I pray that the word of God is transforming your life the way that has transformed my life in so many ways. And it continues to transform my life. And I love all of you so much. And I'm so excited to get into a new letter of the Bible with you. God bless. I pray you enjoyed the teaching today. If God has blessed you in any way, then head over to the review section and leave five stars. I may just share your review right here on this podcast. Also, share this episode with anyone you believe will be blessed by today's teachings. If you want to connect with me and be a part of an amazing sisterhood of believers, then head over to our Facebook group. The link and all other links that I mentioned in this show today are in the show notes below. Just click on them and they'll take you where you want to go. As a reminder, be the church today, wherever God has you, shining the light and the love of Jesus. Y'all mean the world to me. Until next time.